0: Welcome to Talk Tennis, a podcast created specifically for you, the tennis fanatic. Join us each week as we work to elevate your game both on and off the court. We will deliver fresh episodes to keep you up to date with tennis trends and technologies, as well as exclusive interviews with industry experts, current and former pros, and so much more. Here's your host, Michelle.
1: It's been over 20 years since Mark Weil first dreamt of establishing the premier full time boarding tennis academy in America. In the summer of 1997 in Ojai, California, Weill became the first and only full-time boarding school and tennis academy on the entire West Coast. Since, they've trained and placed over 400 U.S. and international students into prestigious American universities. In 2019, the Wild Academy is considered by many to be one of the most successful, full-time, high-performance tennis academies. And they have a reputation of not only placing most of their players into college programs of their choice, but also preparing those players for success at the college level. How do we know Mark and his academy? It just so happens we recently were able to spend a day in Ojai talking about the newest rackets from some of the top brands. Also, fun fact: I was a full-time student at the Wild Tennis Academy my junior and senior year of high school, and spent two years living the tennis academy life. So, welcome, Mark. Thanks for joining me today.
0: Thanks, Michelle. Great to be here.
1: So, we just wanted to know a little bit about how Wild Academy came to be, and what makes you tick, and oh. how everything got started.
0: It's a it's an interesting story, and I feel I, I tell people I feel like um, Ojai chose me, really. That you know. I I was looking to run a a, a full-time program, but I didn't know it was gonna be Ojai. And it just, once I visited here, it just pulled me in and basically said, Mark, you're gonna be here. You're gonna do this academy here. I really felt like to, to do something special with these kids who I feel are incredible, young tennis players are just incredibly courageous and just a special breed. I need to have them more often a full commitment Let's let's board. Let's have someplace safe and fun and with a tremendous amount of tennis tradition, which is Ojai.
1: Yeah. Just for our listeners out there, I don't know if everyone knows where Ojai actually is. Even for the people that live in California, how far would you say Ojai is from LA?
0: It's about an hour and 15 minutes from UCLA, basically. Okay. We're in a valley and it's just, it's, it's small. It's about 8,000 people, the town, and it's friendly and Sweet, and and you know, again, my wife and I didn't want to raise our kids really in Los Angeles. We really wanted to have a, a better place, and Ojai was an incredible place to raise children. And so I knew it's like, God, this is a great tennis town, huge tradition. Billie Jean King and Arthur Ashe and Stan Smith and you know, Aunt Connors and everybody, Davenport and Michael Chang and Pete Sampras, they all played here. Michelle Heidbrink, I, I forgot about her, <laughs> and um they all played here. You all played here, and. You know, the huge tennis tradition and boarding schools, huge education tradition here too. So we just felt like, God, this could be a really special place to not only raise our children but bring kids from around the world to experience this incredible place.
1: Definitely. I don't know if you guys realize it, but Ohio is home to the oldest tennis tournament in the United States. Yeah. And if you guys haven't experienced a trip to the Ohio tournament, it's something you really d- want to check out. It's an amazing really. tournament.
0: We've been, you know, you've been to Wimbledon and U S open and I've been everywhere around the world to tournaments, Moscow, yeah. Brazil. And I'm telling you, it's the most special event still in the entire world. College, juniors and professional players all playing side by side just doesn't happen anywhere else so it's really cool
1: and there's such a big tennis community in such a small town which is really cool too yeah yeah now let's take a little step back and Mm -hmm. let's talk about your beginnings as a tennis player and how you got started into this sport and who inspired you and where Mm -hmm. did you get your start in tennis
0: it was kind of a it's a little bit of a boring story except (laughs) that um, I was actually football and basketball and track Person athlete until I was about fourteen, and then I actually just I the, my high school didn't have a football team anymore, and that's really what my dream was was to be a, a, a wide receiver in the NFL and play for the Green Bay Packers, and the whole thing was crazy. I was this little bitty squirt of a guy, <laughs> but that was my dream was to be a pro football player. But I was too small, I got hurt a lot, and at fourteen I didn't really have a sport, and I, I went out and started hitting with my dad a little bit. And then I I said, Hey, can I have a lesson? And I took a lesson. I was 14 and a half when I took my first tennis lesson and it just, again, tennis kind of grabbed me. It was like, let's go. Mm -hmm. You're going. And I just, I spent the next three and a half years just training with a fury and a, and a determination that I, to be honest, I rarely see in many kids. And by 18, I was on a D one team in Louisiana and, uh, I was starting my college career. I mean, again, I wanted to be a pro player in tennis too, but, you know, started a little bit too late and I probably wasn't good enough too. but I feel like tennis taught me how to persevere, how to be resilient, how to be tough as nails, how to take failure and turn it into success. And and I I tell some of my students, not everybody, but I I used to write the names down of the kids I lost to. And when I was 15 and I was like, I'm going to get you back. I'm coming back and I'm going to get you. And sure enough, over the next three and a half years, I took all one of every one of those guys down because, you know, as you know, uh, if you just keep on working hard at it, keep on training hard, do deep practices and really stay focused, you're going to get better. And if, if the other guys aren't doing it, you're going to pass them by. And that's what happened. I just worked harder than they did. There you have it.
1: Did you have access to an academy or some sort of setting similar to that when no. you were younger?
0: No, I had a coach. I literally took one lesson a week. And then I went out and played sets. And we went out. It was a public park. It was called City Park in New Orleans. And huge, 50 tennis courts, mostly clay. And you just go out and say, hey, you want to play? And boom, we go play a set. And then I'd go string a racket and come back out and play a set. You know, so it was really just the, the playing training is just training how to play. Mm-hmm. I was a tough competitor and I'd love to compete yeah. just just as most tennis players are. Most tennis players are just vicious competitors. They're, they don't, they hate to lose hate it. and they're willing to stay out there for three and a half, five hours. And, and that's luckily what we all have. So.
1: Yeah, definitely. I know one of the biggest reasons why I wanted to go to an academy mm-hmm. was because I just needed more time on the court and I just couldn't get that after school. And yeah. there's also something to be said about playing alongside and with and against yeah. like minded yeah. people. Exactly. Everyone's there to get better. Isn't it fun?
0: Yeah. The kids push each other um, even more so sometimes than the coaches push them.
1: So after you finished competing in college tennis and you're mm-hmm. ready to move out to California, mm. did you know you always wanted to be in tennis?
0: No, I was I left. Ten, I actually discovered theater. I started to um, audition for musicals and things like that in co- in college. Yeah, And I started to get roles and I started to really enjoy Uh, being on stage and then directing. And so I went to New York, actually, right after college. I literally jumped in my car, drove to New York, and uh, studied in a conservatory for two years. Didn't touch a racket for about a year and a half. And then um, I actually started a theater company in New York City. And about 20 or 25 actors and directors and, uh, you you know, stage people. And we started producing plays, but, you know, to pay the rent... I I went and auditioned at a, um, a tennis club in Midtown Manhattan and they said, Hey, you know, you seem great. Let's go. And so I literally started coaching with no experience in New York city. I remember getting goosebumps, several of the lessons as I talked about what, what tennis, how to feel things and how to, you know, when you do this, it'll feel like this. I was like, God, I'm getting goosebumps. It's, it's, Mm -hmm. you know, I felt so connected to my tennis. I started to feel like, God, this is, I'm really speaking from my heart and I, I really believe in this and I really feel close to this, you know? so I had the best of both worlds, really.
1: That's awesome. Now through this process, do you have anyone mm-hmm. that stands out that guided you yeah. through it all?
0: You know, my first, I got lucky again, my first tennis coach was a, a gentleman named Don Lossman in New Orleans. And he was just an enthusiastic, come on, come on, Mark, and you can do it. And he was just so uh, big. He was a big personality. You know, when I remember when I used to miss a shot, he used to go, oh, you got robbed. And I never I never missed because it was my fault. It was always because I got robbed. You know, it was just a he it was a great mentality and it was a great I had a lot of fun. And so he kept me really buoyed, you know, through the lessons when I was absolutely horrible. I mean, most of my shots, I was robbed.
1: Actually, <laughs> so. I mean, I'm going to start using that and stop blaming myself. <laughs> That's great. Now let's fast forward to today. I just recently was able to go back to the Wild Academy for the first time in 20 years. And props to you for just doing a great job continuing to grow the Academy. But the biggest thing that I came away with from that day was you have a group of such respectful players. They're amazing tennis players, but they're so respectful and they're nice humans and great people. And I was so proud to see that the academy is continuing to thrive and not only produce these great players, but also these great kids that are going to turn into very respectful young adults. And I mean, props to you. And obviously, you had some great people guiding you when you were younger. And now you're doing that for this younger generation, which that's amazing, especially at that age. I mean, they're 15, 16, 17, 18. Kids are just so impressionable. And it's nice to know that they're growing up in this respectful environment and learning how to be great human beings. So that really matters a lot. Thanks.
0: And it does. And you know, over the years, I've learned how to kind of see the kids who really don't belong here more clearly. And I, I don't just take anybody. And, and not, it's not like they're bad kids. They're just, I think there's a level of respect that that is really important. And I think it's also part of becoming successful as a tennis player or as a person too, is having a healthy respect for other people. And I don't want to be the smartest person in the room all the time. You know, I'm around people that always think they are. It's like, good. You can have that. Yeah. I don't need to be the smartest. I actually, it's comforting to me to have a smarter person in the room. Cause it's like, good. Definitely. I think that's one of my talents really is that I know when I don't know something and I know where I, I, I go, you know, I need to ask somebody about this. I need to ask an expert about this right. and I need some help. That's what learning is all about. And that's what growing is all about. And it's, I feel like there's a certain attitude now that that's a weakness and it's not a weakness at all. It's a strength, I feel, to be honest. Agreed. And and I think if kids see me that way and go, hey, I don't really know the the answer to that. And I feel like you got to trust yourself and and go back to respect. If you're respectful of yourself, of the game, I I feel like that's. You know, that's why I struggle with players like Kyrgios a little bit. Though I understand him and he's young and, and he's in the spotlight and it's tough. You know, these guys, a lot of these players are not prepared. They're not prepared sometimes at this 19 years old to, to be zeroed in on with cameras and microphones and really savvy reporters. And their best sides don't come out. And I feel like, you know, Kyrgios, I'm praying that he gets the respect uh, of the game. And I think he does. It, it's, it's. I think. It, he. You know. He wants to show the, the bad boy side too, which is okay.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like to always talk about him too. It's just so fascinating. But as someone that did come out of an academy and devoted so much time and energy mm-hmm. and finances and investment into the sport of tennis, it's hard not to sometimes associate our self-value with our performance on the court. And I think that kind of leads into how curious can be. He is almost too scared to put himself out there 100% because If it's still not good enough, that's going to hurt a lot. I mean, losing sucks, it already hurts. But if he puts everything on the line and it's still not there, I don't know if he has the the strength to handle and deal with that pain and then move forward. And then even relating to the academy kids, these kids are practicing day in and day out. Mm -hmm. They're teenagers. So they're already dealing with some of the tougher times of life as a teenager. And then, you know, they go to a tournament and they might be playing their roommate or they just got their butt kicked in the first round. And that's tough to handle too. So how do you deal with these kids when they might be putting so much pressure on themselves to perform well?
0: Uh, To be honest, the team dynamic really um soothes over a lot of that pain and, and yeah. you know when you were here 20 years ago I don't think our team our team ethic was as strong as it is now I know it wasn't you know back then it was still you know a little more team but then every man for himself and every woman mm-hmm. for herself and and it wasn't quite as tight and I think you felt right. that too and now I I think again I've grown and I've learned how to communicate that better. I've found coaches who believe in that more, that they all come from college tennis teams. Which, again, even if you just go through that, even if you're not a great teammate, you've got to be a good teammate. You've got to be yeah. good because otherwise you're not going to make it. You're right. not going to last. So I think the team atmosphere, uh, I know this summer the ITA tournaments we play are uh, rising seniors. And these kids are all competing for college roster spots and college scholarships and then they play each other in these events and you know what they well i'm just so proud of them because they they beat each other's brains out for two and a half hours (laughs) they come off the court and they're hugging each other and you know they're Um, going to lunch with each other and and i think that that it's the sign that hey they understand that that's on the court and then this is off the court and they are teammates and they just helped each other the guy that won the guy that won that match just helped the other player learned, God, you know, I need to work a little bit harder. I I, fo- I didn't quite focus when I needed to. You know, he exposed a couple of weaknesses for the other player. And it's like, you should buy him lunch, I feel like. It's yeah. like, that's, that's incredible. I just got something to, to learn and to, to improve upon. So the team dynamic.
1: That's a huge lesson. I didn't learn that until after my freshman year of college. <laughs>
0: Don't beat yourself up about that. I, I think it's difficult for everybody. To be honest, I think it's it's kind of the human condition to be a little bit more selfish and a little thinking about yourself. And, mm-hmm. you know, parents bless their hearts. They mean well, but, you know, they're interested in their child only. They don't really care about that other kid all the time. Right. Um, and teaching the parents about teamwork and about how we work as a team is another area that I've gotten better at. And I feel like All coaches should be good at this because you need the parents to be on the team.
1: And there's a reason why they're sending their kids to you guys as the experts. So they already know that you guys know what you're doing. And there's a rhyme and a reason behind everything that's going on at the academy.
0: Some are better than, you know, some are more inclined to back off and go, you guys, you know, do what you do. And and others want to kind of... Find out what we're doing and and again, what's best for my child. And again, to me, that's normal and natural and I expect it. Um, So really just kind of keep encouraging, hey, you know what? They're all getting better and it's okay. It's good. That, you know, yeah. all, all boats rise with the tide, all boats are going up, you know, so don't worry, your, your child is going up at the same time. And that usually relaxes everybody.
1: Yeah, we can dive a little deeper into those tennis parents. There's mm-hmm. always those stereotypical tennis parents. <laughs> uh, we all know them, but wh- I'm sure you get asked a lot mm-hmm. by parents, how much better is my kid going to get? And how do you even begin to answer that question?
0: Uh, I My same answer. I don't know.
1: Yeah. I'm sure they don't love that, but that's good.
0: You know, it kind of disarms them a little bit when I say that, because it's kind of like, what? You know, I'm writing a I'm writing a big check right here. and It's kind of like, going, well, you know, just because your kid got into MIT, does that mean that they're going to develop the next rocket booster? Totally. I I don't know. Maybe. I I do say this is if I am going to accept your child, I do believe that they're going to be uh, accelerate their improvement here and that takes a certain kind of attitude. So I do feel like the parents trust me that I'm I'm not I'm not going to feed them a line. I'm not going to talk about pro tennis. I just don't do it. I'm going to talk about college tennis and I believe we can get all of our players to a college level of play, but I don't believe that we can get all of our players to a pro level. So what we're going to do is we're going to hand you off to a college coach and then you're get another hopefully four years of fantastic tennis and experience and coaching and facilities and you know all travel and teammates to play with and you you take it from there but I I don't believe many 18 year olds have a shot just look at the rankings
1: yeah I love that you guys are focusing on getting players to college and giving them more experience to grow as a player and as individuals I think Trying to push players to the pros before college is just a big miss, And there's just so much growth and learning to be done in college as a player and as a person. So I think you guys are doing an awesome job focusing on getting the players into the right college programs. Yeah, thank you.
0: And that's what excited me the most about opening an academy was to focus on that. And I felt like there was great value in focusing on college tennis because there's a lot of money for tennis players and especially women you know, young women coming up. It's like, God, there's a ton of you can go to college for free and and have this incredible coaching and players and travel and experience and have fun doing it. Get smarter, maybe. Go to college, yeah. get smarter. <laughs> you know, exercise your brain a little bit too. And there's all these positives about it and it gives you more time to, to grow and develop as a person. What I love about this is more and more and more college players are going professional and being successful and yes. like right away. <laughs> we were
1: just talking about that last week. It's so great to see so many successful little crews of college players that play together on a team and they're doing so great on tour right now. It's so awesome.
0: It is. And I, I'm glad the USTA, when I first opened the academy, they were really anti-college. If you're going to be Mm -hmm. a pro player, you can't go to college. It's going to it's it's going to stunt your growth somehow. I don't know how they, they came up with that idea. But over time, Patrick McEnroe was the first when he took over in the mid. I can't remember exactly his years, but he was the first one that finally got quoted in The New York Times going, you know what? I think the college path is actually better. For a young professional player. I was like, right. I've been saying that for 20 years. <laughs> and, you know, it took the USTA that long. But again, you know, I'm I'm good friends with Wayne Bryan, whose boys, how many, number one in the world, 11 years. And there's, they went to college. Yep. What's wrong with that? John Isner went to college. I mean, yep. James Blake went to college, two in the world. So there's a lot of examples of college success. And there's a lot of examples of not going to college and being successful. So it's it's who's it right for You know, each his own.
1: Definitely. Now, I wanted to talk about how the academy has changed in the past 20 something years. And you've kind of hinted on some things already. But how have you changed as a person? And what did the academy look like back in the late 90s when you first started? And how has it grown mm. and flourished into the mm. academy that it is today?
0: God, that's a tough one uh it's hard to think back it's it it was so painful at times i I just remember because again you know i i didn't win any grand slam tennis tournaments i didn't i didn't have a big name in um college tennis or or professional tennis and you know i was this i felt very enthusiastic um tennis coach in los angeles with a, a terrific program and great kids but i you know what made me think i could do this and really, it was a whole, I felt like, so I started in this place of kind of um, anonymity, where it's like, who is this guy? There was no internet, there was internet, but very, I mean, it was awful. Yeah,
1: we barely even had cell phones.
0: Yeah, it was, there was <laughs> no cell phones, no internet. So to get the word out was incredibly difficult. And so I really had to kind of run around the country and kind of beat the drum. And come on, you know, trust me, come on out here. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. And so I, I went from that stage of just trying to, you know, Get everybody, get the band together. So we had some success fairly quickly with our players, as well as um, then Grigor Dimitrov came. I think in 2004, as a 14-year-old, he just won the European Championships, and he decided to come to California to this little tennis academy, you know, in Ojai, and he just loved California. I was the only academy here, you know, I had the number one 14-year-old in the world. So we just kind of kept kind of reinventing ourselves, really. And it's not just the kids. I think again, our coaching staff became um, they more they bought in more to what I wanted, which was the team atmosphere and the, the college, the college uh, path. You know, I, I feel like I let them coach. I don't, I don't tell them this is the the style I want. They all have their own methodology, and it's all good. And as long as they care about their players, and they know how to teach strokes, and you know, the kids are going to be great. And, and we keep it a positive team environment. I, you know, I feel like that's the key.
1: Do you guys work with the kids on goal creation and setting realistic mm-hmm. expectations for themselves?
0: Yeah, we do. And um, goals are great. And then you, you 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 think about them, and then you stick them in your pocket and don't look at them for a few months, and just trust that you know you trust yourself and you trust your your team, and you go forward, and you you start. Then you look at it and go, oh yeah. Look at that.
1: That's what I wanted to accomplish. Yeah. I want to designate
0: it. That was one of my goals. That was one of yeah, my goals. That's awesome. Uh, I I've talked to Mike and Bob Bryan a lot about that too because they, they set the goal of, of winning the Olympics and winning Davis Cup and winning slams. And, you know, they've achieved probably everything that they wanted to do. I don't even, but was, was being number one in the world 11 times part of their Probably not. Probably being number one in the world at, at the end of the year was, but 11 times? I don't know. Was, was Federer's goal to have 20 grand slams? I, right. I know he wants to win every time. And I think that's his exactly. goal. That's his goal. So.
1: Very true. I wanted to also talk about the fortune cookie project. <laughs> now, the courts at while have these cute little fortune cookies all around them with little sayings. And I think I was told it was led by the students. Can you talk about that?
0: It, it, uh, the students actually had a, had a little input. It was really a local artist Um, Oh, cool! When I was rebuilding, when I was actually building my six new tennis courts just about three years ago, the city actually, the city of Ojai is kind of a cool thing. They require you to have some sort of a public art as part of the project. So you have to devote, I think, 1% of your entire project to public art. So let's say, you know, let's say I'm going to spend, you know, $100,000. I've got to spend $1,000 on art. So I didn't want to do a statue or I didn't want to do a water fountain or, you know, a, I didn't want to do the, the stock thing. And, and I they said, you know, they had an artist that they liked and they said, check this guy uh, out. And um, uh, Jeff, he can he can maybe help you come up with some ideas. So I met with him. And he goes, I, you know, he, he worked with uh, Robert Rauschenberg and uh, Jasper Johns. And he's really incredible artists in the 50s and 60s. And he just thinks out of the box. And he said, you know, I'm working on this fortune cookie Thing. And he showed it to me, all these all these, literally fortune cookies stacked on a plate. And, and I, I like, I don't want a fortune. For, what has that got to do with me or tennis or anything? Yeah. And uh, he goes, no, 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 no. What I want to do is I take the fortunes and we put them on tiles and we put them in the sidewalks all over the academy. I was like, oh, that's a great idea. Yeah, and so it's really cool. We went through, God, it must have been 400 fortunes. Like we just kept pulling them out, oh and, and the ones we laughed the most about, we kept, you know, we the ones we thought, oh, that kind of kind of relates to young tennis players, and mm-hmm. this one is funny, and this one is this, and so every time you walk through, you see something new. So again, I, I kind of like that it's um. It's a little surprise, you know, as you walk through the academy.
1: <laughs> it's a conversation starter for sure, too. I know we were having some philosophy debates on yeah. some of them.
0: <laughs> don't cut what you can untie. I mean, yeah, it's, I just like simple, it's just a simple, you know, this, this fortune is, if you don't understand this fortune, then it's not meant for you. It's like, yeah, of course. You know, it's just little truisms and fun.
1: So. Yeah, that's really cool. Now, can you give me a breakdown on what a typical day looks like for an academy kid?
0: Yeah, we actually a couple of days a week, we actually train at 7am. And we'll do an hour from about seven to eight. And then we start classes. So we start classes um, at about 815 in the morning, and we go till 1215. So we do school in the morning for about four hours, five class periods. And then we um, have lunch. And then we go on the court from 115 to five. Okay, so we do fitness and training. And and again, different days, we do f- different focuses on uh, consistency or uh, doubles or match play or point play um, serves. But, you know, so we, we try to we mm-hmm. try to cover everything each week. And um, then at five o'clock we have you know, dinner. They have free time until about seven. And then we do study hall, supervised study hall. Teachers come in for office hours until um, about nine. And then they pretty much have a little fun and then go to bed we start all over again.
1: <laughs> That's how I remember it
0: too. Yeah. Well, to me, that was, that was a lot of college. That was my college schedule was the 7am training. We, we didn't have that when you were here, but, um, we've started doing that more and more and it's, it really wakes the kids up. I mean, it's, you know, the endorphins are going and actually they learn better, um, during school time as well. So, but I, I didn't feel like doing two hours of practice at, at seven. I feel like, I still feel like school's the most important thing. So, We'll do a little touch of tennis, which kind of gets the kids, you know, gets them relaxed and ready to learn and then go to class. And then we do more tennis in the afternoon.
1: Maybe you can speak a little to the educational mm-hmm. side of things. Now, I know sometimes when you say you're an academy kid, people think you're dumb or you don't actually go to school. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. Some people
1: will say you paid for your grades or you're going to get to college and not know how to do basic math. Right. But I can say I was well-equipped, and how do you deal with those conversations when people are saying that academy kids aren't as smart as other
0: kids? But I, again, I think we attract kids that are more academically motivated. So I, I think, again, we're not getting the kids here that don't care about school. We're getting the kids that do care about school. Right. They do care about doing well, and they do care about their, their GPA and their SAT and And their work, you know, not just the results, but they care about their the products that they're producing, the the essays and their projects and things like that. So uh, that's kind of the key is is to get the kids who do care. Mm -hmm. And then you just keep leading them on and into great stuff. I I think, again, Ohi, it's a great education community. So I've got a pick. I, I get to pick from a lot of really great teachers. So that's awesome. I've got a great staff that. They also understand that we can't do 5 AP classes yeah. because we're doing AP tennis for 4 hours a day.
1: I think there's something to be said, too, about the relationship that the kids get to form with their teachers because the class sizes are much smaller. The teachers really take an invested care in the kids and they're really interested in their tennis and they'll come out and watch. And it's really something special. And I don't think it's something that you can get an average high school. So that's a really cool Aspect of tennis academy education as well. Right. Okay, so with that, we've kind of already heard the type of player you're looking for. But let's say someone out there Mm -hmm. that's listening, a player or a parent, Mm -hmm. um, is interested in joining the Wild Tennis Academy. What would you recommend for them to go about figuring out if they would be a good fit for the academy?
0: It takes a certain amount of courage, as you know i mean these kids are coming from shanghai and rio de janeiro and they're coming from you know calgary they're coming from and you know 14 years old they're leaving their families they're leaving their parents they're leaving their dog um so a certain amount of courage and adventure they have they have to have a sense of adventure that yeah this is exciting you know i'm gonna be around a whole bunch of kids just like me you know having courage and event sense of adventure highly motivated. If you don't have a big motor, if you don't have a big engine and you don't have a lot of passion for what you're doing, um, you're probably not going to make it. You're probably going to come here for two or three days and try out with us. Mm -hmm. And if they're not fighting for every ball and every point, every game, you know, I'm going to go, I don't know if this is right for you because I don't know that we're going to teach you that.
1: Yeah, actually, I remember the first time I ever went to Waddle, I went to try it out for a week over the summer, and day one, I was exhausted and running ragged, and I remember puking after a long conditioning session and was just kind of like... I'm ready, let's go, where do I sign up? This is what I need in my life, I want to be better, I need more hours on the court, and let's do this. So, totally understand having that mindset. That's
0: a a mentality that you can pay all the mental coaches you want. Uh, You can't buy that, you can't buy that. I do believe we can bring it out in somebody, Mm -hmm. we can encourage them to open up to that, but I don't believe that we can inject that in someone you got to have that somewhere in you to start with like you said and you you know you were like ugh, ugh. <laughs> all right i'm ready for more and it's kind of like that's the great attitude that that's it
1: Yeah. And I think that's why I felt so at home when I just recently came back and visited is these are my people. They get it. They have the same mind frame. It doesn't matter how old you are. And I have to say there was this one kid who was just so amazing. I mean, they were all so amazing. But he messaged me after and he was so thankful that T-Dub came down to do a demo day. But he told me, once a part of the Wild family, always a part of the Wild family. And that was that's just so, so touching. To it was to absolutely awesome. So just to wrap things up, let's get into some of the tougher questions. What has been the most challenging things that you have faced with mm. the academy?
0: You know, if I ever have to dismiss a student, uh, talk about want, want to make me throw up. I mean, it's just yeah, so sickening. It really is. So and that happens. Luckily, it happens rarely um, these days, you know, but I think in the early days, it was really tough because, you know, I. I believe in young people and I believe in their potential. I believe in their hearts and I believe in their young minds and, and and especially young tennis players, they're, they're, they're my kind of people, yeah. you know, but some of them, you know, don't understand rules sometimes.
1: So then on the flip side, what have been the most gratifying and rewarding and satisfying experiences that you've come across with the academy?
0: You know, there's so many, I hate to, I hate to pick one or two, but, um that 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 year that brian wilson one of our graduates won and yeah that was cool i was there you know i was there in athens georgia for that and then i went to the u.s open Uh, he also won the doubles with uh, rajiv ram and i went to new york to watch him play main draw and i mean that was those were great moments and and the other part too i love seeing my grads and my students in tennis and to see you know ryan redondo is the head coach yeah. at pacific and to see yeah. pablo de, you know, perez is is the head coach at usf and to see this one is the assistant coach at, i mean i love that that they want to be coaches because i feel like it, that being a coach and not just a tennis coach i coach kids with you know about themselves and about their future that how much more satisfying i mean I can't imagine anything greater than that. And I know you did that as well. You were a college, you were a college coach. And I just love seeing my graduates and students, former students, get out there and be coaches because it's, what a great profession.
1: For sure. Well, last question. I just wanted to know what kind of advice you have for anyone going through a tough spot in their life, whether it's on the court, off the court, you've dealt with a lot of adversity. So what's your life advice?
0: Go sit down and cry just go let it out you know uh, many many a day i would drive home from the academy and just scream in my car i was so frustrated that the day hadn't gone the way i wanted it to go mm-hmm. and it's like i can't take this anymore yeah and just let it out and, and be honest with yourself about it and, and just go i'm not making things happen the way i want them to happen but doggone it. I'm going to try again tomorrow. And I, I, you know, just keep trying to better yourself every day.
1: That's great advice. I love it. A hundred percent. We'll make sure that we plug in your website in the show notes for anyone that's interested in getting in contact with the Wild Academy. And that's it. Thank you so much for joining us today, Mark. It was great catching up and hearing all of your stories.
0: You too. You too. Great to see you you. so happy and so successful too. You as well. (laughs) Bye-bye.
1: Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's Talk Tennis. Now, we would love it if you had a chance to go subscribe, rate, and review Talk Tennis on wherever you listen to podcasts. And we have a little incentive. If you can screenshot and show us that you did that and email us at podcast at tennis-warehouse.com, we will put you in a drawing for some awesome tennis swag. So be sure to do that. If you have any questions, also feel free to email us at podcast at tennis-warehouse.com and in your comments make sure you let us know what you want to hear in the next episode for all your tennis needs make sure to visit us at tenniswarehouse.com and until next time happy hitting